Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Mailbag. My name is Damo and Clarky is also here. G'day. This week our guest is making his debut on the Mailbag. It is Matt Fosdaddy Forrest, reporter at the Geelong Advertiser and general badass from Jock Reynolds. It's great to finally have you on, Foz. Thanks for having me. I've been waiting for the invite and the call up and I'm, I'm finally uh, honoured with your, your presence over the interweb. And... It's been great that you have accepted the invitation. Sorry it's taken so long. No, no, I've just been holding my breath, just waiting. I, I, you know what? I feel like my super coach this year has not been of the ilk that it, that requires an invitation, but I'm finally glad you've run out of uh, guests to have on and you, you finally just you know reached the, the pit of the barrel and you said, okay, you know what? We can finally have him on. If your team's not of the ilk, then, I sh- then my team should you know dethrone me from hosting this podcast <laughs> i have no shame i'll i'll sit here at the bottom of the barrel because i give advice that's what i do i don't have to follow it i have to lead by example clarky last week you said hold oliver i disagreed me and Lek dog had a, that bit discussion on the main pod mj last week's guest was happy to hear both sides but he was holding at the time now, it seems like we probably need to trade him as there's no return date in sight. Would you both agree? I'd say how many trades have you got left? Yeah, like not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with Foz on that one. Uh, as somebody, So I have... My current situation is I have one trade left. Um, and with I had three trades not so long ago and I brought in Callum Mills as like a 23rd man. Dunkley not being in this week is the other bit of big news Clayton Oliver literally today day of recording um didn't get through the last training session that he needed to and it's suspected to have re-injured his hamstring so they are going to do scans and there'll probably be more news about that tomorrow I would probably say and it sucks to have to say this now wait and see what that news is if it's a complete re-injury then you're probably looking at trade in the long term Switching him to uh, Liberatore or uh, Butters or Sicily or whoever, um, whoever your choice is to replace him, probably benefits you in the long run. But if you have adequate cover, which some people who completed their teams maybe do, you could probably hold out if it's a short-term injury and have him in time for finals. Yeah, I should say that wasn't a question that was submitted to us. Um, I was just covering off on the news that, has leaked through throughout the day, but it seems like most people are in the camp of trading him now that we don't know when he's going to return. Uh, but I, th- I, I agree, Foz, it probably comes down to how many trades you got left and what sort of cover that you have on your field in the, in the meantime. Yeah, I think it's really important to... Everyone's team is different, and I know that it's, it's such a cliche response and it's not exactly what people want on a podcast when they're looking for answers, but... If I, I was saying this to like earlier in the week, but if you've got three trades or less, I would be trying to hold on to as many injuries as possible. And if they if they're out for the season, if they say Clayton Oliver's on ice until finals, then I'd be happy to use a trade and and, and move him. But if they're saying one to two weeks, we're not sure. It's still there's still eight weeks in the year to go. You're gonna need those trades, and to to burn one now try and bring in another guy to replace him. Like you just don't know what's going to happen with the rest of your side. Um, 
if you're sitting pretty and you've got a fully completed team and you've got still got you know three, four, five trades left, then you could potentially look at using it as a luxury trade and and try and maximize points. Um, but if you're still trying to complete your team and you're, you're running out of trades and it's just a case of um, you know filling a hole which he's he's leaving open, then then that's when I'd be saying I'd, I'd try and hold fire. Like I held Sicily through his three week suspension. It's not something I wanted to do. I did assess the situation and I, I contemplated trading him out and what my team would look like um, come round 20. And I just decided that um, I needed to save that trade. And it was one trade. It would be a straight swap to a defender or to a midfielder. But it was just a case of I would have run out and I wouldn't have a completed team if I moved him. All right. So for those needing answers on Oliver, that probably gives you some at least thinking points before you go ahead with that trade or don't go ahead with that trade, which, whichever you decide based on the... Yeah, do or don't. Based on Whatever. what, based on what we just told you. We've we've given you both sides of the coin there for you to, to you know, make your own decision. Clarky, me and you, we like hosting this podcast and we ask for our community's questions. But it was made hard for us this week when Elon Musk brings in this rate limit thing. He did so, his bills, yes, correct. Yeah. So if we don't answer your question, blame Elon Musk and maybe think twice about that Tesla Model T you had your eye on. Call him a sis. Get banned off Twitter. It'll be funny. <laughs> Just send us an email. You'll be right. As for the questions we did manage to capture, they mostly seem to be about our community wanting to set themselves up for the run home. Foz, how is your team looking and are you set up for the run home? Uh, it's looking, it's honestly, it's looking okay. I'm pretty happy. I'm not fully completed and I, I think I'll get there in the next couple of weeks. Um, but I'm trying to be really conservative with my trades, as I sort of mentioned before in the, the Clayton Oliver chat, that I don't want to just burn through the trades and be left to to fight it out for the last five or six weeks with one or, or no trades left. I'm pretty content fielding decent rookies and, and looping, say, a Matthew Johnson and George Wardlaw and try and get an 85 out of one of them um, and, and sort of get edge my way a little bit closer because I feel like I'm, I'm not ranked outstandingly well. I'm around the 10,000 mark, but I'm hoping that in the last sort of five or six weeks, when everyone runs out of trades, I can sort of start to make moves through there um, and hopefully gain some ground. So I feel pretty comfortable with where I'm sitting. I don't think I've had nearly the year that I hope to coming in. I always set myself to sort of the top thousand to two thousand as a as a goal, and I'm I'm nowhere near that just yet. But for for now, I'm I'm pretty content with my side. I'm I'm two trades away from fully completed team, and then just relying on some rookies to provide cover. I don't think I'll get to a you know an ideal situation though. You put some respect in the top ten k, please. <laughs> Oh, oh no, I've got oh, no issue. I'm only, I'm only top ten k. That's I just me, I just set my I just like to set I just like to set I just like to set myself <laughs> the the very lofty goal of the one thousand mark, and if I can crack that, then I, you know, I feel like I've had a really good year. Um, but yeah, I, at the end of the day, I've had, I reckon I've had more ten thousand finishes than I've had one thousand finishes, so we're probably in the same boat. All right, speak for yourself. <laughs> All right, let's get to the questions. This is how good we are. Our first two questions come from people who actually write for the website. So that's how that that's how good we are and how good this podcast is. Yeah, can you just um can you please write in a question, Lek? Because we just would like some questions on our podcasts. 
because uh, we don't have the mustache, so we need need the viewers. Lechdog has said he's pay- he's playing for rank. He has six strides left, and Seamus Mitchell, Josh Weddle, and Lewis Melican are all outscoring his primos in quotation marks. Will Day, Dylan Moore, and Stephen Cornelio. What should he be doing? I'd be fielding Seamus Mitchell over Will Day, at least this week. Um, I think his scoring is... I mean, his scoring has been pretty good in the back half um, of the season so far, but I think it's there's been a noticeable increase in games where um, James Sicily's out of the side. I think he's getting a little bit more of the ball. So, um, And that was part of the reason why I was comfortable holding Sicily is because I, I knew I had Seamus Mitchell to fill in that void, um, and he's been pretty serviceable. But I'd almost, I'd almost keep... Mitchell, I don't know if Weddle is as good as um, as Day. I'd rather feel Day. I'd feel more comfortable with that. But yeah, Will Day's been relatively disappointing since that sort of first three or four weeks when he was seemed to be on fire. So I'd be yeah, I'd be pretty comfortable benching him or at least trying to loop if possible. I know that um, Melikan and Sheldrick are both uh, popular bench options this weekend, and they're both playing Thursday night. So if you can loop one of those two or, or both of them and try and get a decent score out of at least one of them, that probably goes a long way with making a decision. Clarky, would you trade any of them if you've got six trades left? Yeah, I'd probably trade Dylan Moore. Um, I'd be pretty comfortable getting him away from my side in general. Had his, like, total points-wise, you go 1,300 points. All right, that's, that's not outrageous. It's not outrageous or it's horrible in the long standard, but like looking at the scores of his last few weeks, 75, 91, 102, 60, or 139, it's, it's just difficult to see that as something that you'd want to win. And I know Lechdog is doing very well this season. So I think pushing to push yourself higher, you probably want to go for somebody who has a bit more consistency in hitting those high numbers. Um, Hawthorne as well are probably doing, the best they can in a season where they're playing a lot of really young, talented kids and it's not quite going their way. So I'd probably move on more. Kinnido is an interesting one because I I thought it was okay when I traded him in, right? Because I own Kinnido as well. But then every week since then, it's just been like, why, why have we done that? Another one as well where it's like total points-wise, you look at 1,474. But week to week, you're looking at these scores like one week is fine. This week he scored 86. Previous week was 112, 103, 81, 87. Like, there's no consistency in that scoring. It's quite frustrating. But I think you could probably hold Cornelio because he doesn't lose any of his value and he probably does fine and sits um, sits reasonably in that top 10, I think, for total points. So more would be my must-go out of those if I had six trades. My advice for Lech Dog is I think he needs to remember something he pointed out a few years ago. When we got to the end of the year, we put the total points uh, list up 1 to 20. And sitting at number 13th or 14th was Lincoln McCarthy, who averaged 79. So if, I think if he's going for rank, and I, and, and, and I know that you want the best score every week to keep moving up, but the rankings is based on your total points scored by your team overall. 
And if Dylan Moore is going to, you know, stay in that Hawks team, which you'd assume he would, then I I actually probably would hold off on that trade maybe a couple of weeks if you can, um, just because there's every chance he does finish in the top 20 for in, in, in total points after a couple of bags of goals, 30 disposals if he, in, in one game maybe. He's got every chance of averaging 95 from this point forward as he does averaging 65. And I guess it just I just it just comes down to your patience and, and whether you want to get something better now or get something better later on once you kind of feel feel out where where, where you are in the rankings and who's above and who, and and below you there. So I think if you I think looping is probably the best option at this point, but we know Lekdog's got a very healthy bench at the moment, so that he does find that a little bit difficult. Next question comes from JG. Uh, he says he's full primo, but he only says it lightly because he still has Harry Sheasel and Patrick Cripps. Should should he risk it for the potential high reward by trading Cripps to Liberatore, leaving him with only one trade, or hold fire? I'd hold fire. You're going to need that trade. Um, I think I've been pretty clear with, with what I've said, said in terms of my trading theory, but... Um, if you can go from here until the end of the season, if you can go eight weeks and have no injuries, um, you may as well buy a lotto ticket because that is absurd. Um, you'll there'll be an injury or two at some stage that you need to, you know, you don't want to hold a, a premium that's six hundred k for three or four weeks, like a, an Oliver situation, um, but more obviously um, locked in, I guess. If if someone fractures their hand or you know suffers a a hamstring tear, you, you're going to want to trade them out and not look back and, and not try and sort of limp through with, you know, limited cover. So I'd be saying, I'd, I'd be holding if you, even if there's an underperforming premium, like, a you know, Jack Steele or um, Patrick Cripps in the midfield, like that's going to be your M8. And if you can loop a bench option as well, like if you've got a Wardlaw and you can loop him on each week or, or something like that and try and get, even a hundred out of you know once every couple of weeks out of a loop, then then you're probably doing better than most. I find it funny that he has put this question to us, even though he asked us in the group chat and the Jock Reynolds group chat during uh, earlier in the week, and we all said to hold. So I I just love that he submitted the question, hoping to get a different answer. I think he wants to be told <laughs> the trade is okay, but nah. You, you you have to hold. You have if to I was hold. Him, if I was him, I'd what? find a way to get. Um, if he if he can, um, and this is probably very specific, a very specific answer to just him. But if you can get Sheasel on your bench, um, you know, being able to rotate between defense and and forward line, and you know, f- try and get a loop somewhere there, I'd be looking to do that if possible. Um, I think he's probably better than better than average cover, to be honest, in the in the role that he's playing. I know that. A lot of people would have traded him out a few weeks ago and probably same with Crips. If you can get him to finish M9, um, that's great cover. Uh, it's better than most people will have. I appreciate Damo taking the time to expose poor JG on the podcast for no benefit. Um, yeah, I think I think it's better to hold at this stage. I think Walsh has every potential as well to come good. So I don't see necessarily getting rid of him as a priority move and I'd rather have the safety for the trade. Well, Walsh is about to be a forward as well, which makes him even more valuable. 
Yeah. You guys have just you guys have confused Crips for Walsh. I haven't. I just thought uh, Clarky was bringing in Walsh as a as a third. Did you not say there. Walsh? Did I read? No, we're talking about question? Patrick Cripps, mate. Come on, listen. I'm looking at the wrong question. That's why. <laughs> well, you have the benefit of having the questions in front of you. You lucky bastard. Yeah. I'm watching Damo edit the edit the document live while I'm trying to read them. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's probably what's happening here. Uh, look, I've I been think, exposed. Yeah. The time to trade Cripps has gone as well. I think it's he's lost a significant amount of his value. Um, and Mills, even though he's got that ceiling there, you're sort of going after those points that may or may not really be there. Like, if it's based purely on a role that a player can have, then why is Cripps also not a potential to do that? So I may as well hold fire and keep the value in the trade. Next question comes from Corey on Twitter. Who do you pick up this week? Tom Libertore or Adam Chera? He's looking for a point of difference to help him move up the rankings. I don't think there's a wrong answer. Yeah, this you win either way. <laughs> I'd probably say Libba. You'd have you'd have to. I, I'd on, go with Libertore just yeah. purely because of the Bulldogs run home. Yeah. I don't mind. I think either is fine. One thing to notice would be Chera's record at the MCG and his run home. He only has two games at the MCG to finish the season, which are against Collingwood and Melbourne. Um, And if you look at his form at the G, his last, what is it? Six of the seven games he's played there already this year have been tons and the last four games that have all been around that 130 mark with the loss of 127 so uh, he's clearly very strong there um he's obviously playing a role sort of as that midfield halfback almost with his ability to sort of hit players lace out um allows it, it you know it's a better form on the on the bigger grounds like the mcg so i think that's one thing to note that he doesn't really have those games to finish the season Whereas, yeah, Libertore has been super consistent this year. He's been, I tried to get him in early in the year and he just ended up being too expensive and I missed him. So that's been really disappointing. But um, Dogs have got a good run home at Marvel. Um, you know, he's, he scores pretty well at Marvel, but he scores pretty well everywhere. So um, I'd be more looking like uh, a Libertore, but I don't think you can you can go too wrong with it. Yeah, I've, I've low-key enjoyed watching Adam Chera this year. He's probably having one of those bright sparks in the Carlton midfield as well, um, which is nice for him. Dame, I don't think you agree with that, but it's not, nice for Adam Jarrah. From a super coach perspective, I have liked the way he has performed. From a real football perspective, I don't really... What we netted in that trade in the, in the, in the end was very good because Jai Amos is, is now signed until the end of 2029. So I can't be too angry. Was that the pick? Just that, that? Was, that it was that pick in a future third, and you haven't used the future third yet, have you? Or no, have you? we've we keep on trading that on. Okay, easy. There you go. Everybody wins. Adam Chera, decent pick. I'd probably go with Libba as the first option, but Adam Chera is also nice. Either way, you're going to have a good time, Corey. These next two questions came through before today's Clayton Oliver news. I'll read them anyway, and maybe we can talk about other options than Clayton Oliver potentially if. 
Oliver is doesn't isn't an option down the track. But Ash wants to trade Walsh to Mills to pocket the extra cash. There it is. For when they can move Seamus Mitchell and Angus Sheldrick to Clayton Oliver. Would leave them full primo, but with only two trades. I don't see the value of trading Walsh to Mills. Um, I think you're better off with the trade and then moving on Walsh if you want to move him on later. Like, the the overall benefit kind of doesn't really shout out anything to me when Mitchell and Sheldrick are both in reasonable form. And as Foz has said a couple of times already, like we're going to want the trades and we'll miss the trades that we used when something bad happens. Like Dunkley this week. Dunkley's a great example for this week where it's like, okay, he's probably, they're probably going to, they're going to rest him against West Coast, but does he come back next week? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe Brisbane decide, oh, we're going to give him another week just to chill. And then what? We're out, out Dunkley again and you have to start reassessing your position to build your team. So don't get rid of these guys like Walsh who... Uh, set in like best 22 he's going to get DPP like there's a lot of other value there besides just the pure cash of the trade it's funny you mentioned Dunkley out because a few years ago there was a term um, coined by Richmond fans um, which was Rich- Richmondy um, it feels like we're almost bordering on the point where the way that Brisbane do their team selection is becoming very Brisbane-y. Um, because Harry Sharp was in for three weeks and then disappears and we could and we don't see him again. Dunkley subbed out tactically and then has and then has a calf injury apparently. Um, Gunst, Gunston and Rich d- decide that that they're not good enough to play in the team and go for a bit bit of a pr- bit of a preseason in the middle of the season and it just feels like their team selection. It's going to get to a point where a team sitting in a, a super coach team sitting in third, fourth, seventh or something. We'll have Lockie Neal in round 20 or round 21 and then Neal will be rested and put through a bit of a training block to get him cherry ripe for the finals and it will rob someone of winning Supercoach. So it just feels like it just feels like that's the, that's the kind of thing that we're, that we're gearing for. So I'm not feeling um, comfortable holding Brisbane players, but um, that's, I, just, I, I don't, I, that's probably just me. I understand what you just said, but Foz, correct me if I'm wrong. Did you get the vibe of um, Charlie from It's Always Sunny at the board with like the string and he's looking <laughs> at it and going like, there's just something real Brisbane-y about Josh Dunkley being injured. Famous, and... flip your camera around, show us the board. Yeah, I get what you mean. It's already gone into the tip. Thank God. Yeah, no, it's um, I no, I get, I get exactly what you're saying, and it, it, I guess that's the, the perils of Supercoach, really. If you, I mean, you look at the Western Bulldogs, you pick Marcus Bontempelli because he's one of the best midfielders in the game and should win a Brownlow in most years that he plays as a, a number one midfielder, and then Bevo decides to salad it up and, um, you know, plays him as a full forward for an eight week block, but then right as he's about to earn DPP, he puts him on the halfback flank, so. You know, it's just a... Got him. Yeah. It's it's honestly... And that's super coach for you. It's like there is risks with picking any player from, from some teams. And 
Um, like look at Jack McRae playing on a half forward flank and Bailey Smith playing as a one out key forward, and you know it just does some things just don't make sense, and um, it's going to happen to to teams and, and cost them games. Like Josh Kelly missing three or four weeks when he's out for a one week calf sort of thing um, has cost people places, and you know we're looking at Clayton Oliver as well. With you know that was a week to week proposition of him coming back, and and now he's out for what almost eight weeks at this point. So, footy sucks. Did footy we answer sucks. the question? What was the question again? Did Sam you guys, Did you we guys did answer, answer the question? question? We, we, we answered the question. We answered the question. I'm pretty Sam sure Walsh. we answered the Don't question. Don't trade him. Don't trade anyone unless they're out for the rest of the year at this point. Next question comes from Chris via email who says, uh, he loves our work and we are the best potty in the business. That's because I'm Chris. here, baby. <laughs> Chris, don't forget to send us your cash out. Chris wants to know if he should trade Briggs and Jinby to English and Mullen, cheapest player with a chance of cover, leaving him with 379k to eventually trade Sheldrick to Oliver or someone of that caliber. Is three trades enough cover for the run home? If that leaves you, if you leave, if it leaves your team completely sorted with three trades, um, I don't hate it. Um, I think Machine Mullen plays games in the run home. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he played this weekend against North Melbourne. He's fit and he's trained fully. Um, I guess it's the benefit of having a, a Cats reporter on the pod. But um, yeah, he. I would be very surprised if he's not selected this week, to be honest. And at 102K and he's already on the bubble. So um, he's uh, will be jumping in price if he does play. Um, I don't hate it if, if you have at least... If you have six trades and you're making those sort of two or five trades really and making those two moves and then bringing Clayton Oliver or, you know, a 600K plus midfielder in, in the back end of the season. Like, don't hate it. But if, you, you know, if you're three trades and it will leave you with one to make that final move, um, I don't love it as much. <laughs> Do you, like... Do you gain Who's... much from trading Briggs to English? I feel like I was just most, about to ask. I, I feel like well, most depends. of the money is gained from trading Jinbi to Mullen. Yeah, but I, I agree. Um, does he? Uh, I guess the question, uh, the way I was thinking about it was, um, and it's probably not how it actually works, but Briggs being on the bench because Briggs was everyone's R three for a point. But I guess maybe I, I just misinterpreted that. So maybe I was thinking about going from zero points but to one hundred wait, Then who's their other rock? Oh, it could be Dustin Cameron. I don't know. That's just how my mind works. Yeah. Hey, there's. You know what, Chris? More questions than answers, really. Um, but Kieran, Briggs, like honestly, but with Kieran Briggs, like he's he's been outstanding, and there was a um a statistic, the champion data release, saying that he was, I think, the third most, um, the highest ranked, third highest ranked player over the last like six week period, and. It is an interesting stat because Luke Parker was ranked number one, so I just don't know the validity of this statistic. <laughs> um, but I, at, I, at the same point, it's like I don't. When players have breakout years like this, especially in a position like the ruck, I don't see them being able to withstand that level for the whole season. Like I think there's going to be regression come at some point for Briggs. Like they, you look at Tim English, and he's been able to like he's been the, probably the best ruck this year. I think if you're looking at like not just being a pure ruckman, but a, just around the ground, everything all encompassing in that position. Um, but he was also very good last year before he hurt his hamstring, and then even came back and was 
not as good, but was still quite serviceable. Like he's been able to do it for a couple of years and has been proven in, in that number one role. Whereas Briggs has only earned the number one position um, when they got sick of Flynn and Braden Proust is still injured and he's coming back. And like, there's always going to be chopping and changing in, in at the GWS um, sort of ruck department. So I just don't think there is um, the, the ability for Briggs to be elite for the whole sort of next sort of seven or eight weeks, I guess. But that's just, I mean, I didn't bring Briggs in and I regret that move. Um, so maybe I'm also looking at it from the position of, I don't have him, so I hope that he fails which is so mean, but I'm also the, in that sort of boat, yeah. The way so, that he plays plays as a ruck is probably the best thing about Briggs, and I think, uh, to what you're saying, I think it probably benefits him that he has been brought in halfway through the year, because he hasn't had, like, those, you know, those first, you know, 12, 13 weeks of getting absolutely hammered as he's, he plays like a, a big-bodied, strong ruckman, which is... I think they can like the eighty-seven that he scored this week in Supercoach wise. I think you can probably put that down to a couple of things. One, it's Melbourne with Gorn and Grundy, who, from a Tap Ruckman perspective, are probably still considered elite, if not you know the best individually. Um, but the conditions as well probably played a piece to that. But I think if if I'm Adam Kingsley, I'm not looking to move Briggs on because he's in the best position for him. So I'd probably, I could see a world where he plays out the rest of the season um, and possibly maybe mix, they mix it up towards the end if they're going to make finals. I don't think, I don't think he's going to be dropping Briggs. I think Briggs has more than earned his position in the side. Um, And I do think, I I do think you're correct in saying that the conditions don't suit big men in that game. And he's coming up against two of the best rucks in the competition. Um, in, in the same team, and he was going one out. But also, he gave away a handful of free kicks. In the, in, I think in like the second half, he gave away yeah. like three or four free kicks in a row, which really hampered his scoring. So um, I don't think, yeah, the score probably doesn't reflect his actual game, and he's probably better than that 87. But I'm more saying, you know, by round 21, 22, like will we see a bit of a drop-off, a bit of regression from him? Um when you're looking, if you are, have excess trades and a surplus and the ability to move him on, um, you could make that move now and, and not pay a super amount of cash um, in doing so to a guy who's been super consistent the whole year. I think I'd probably wait till finals then in, in that case. I think trading Jinby to Mullen as cover, if, if it's purely going to be for cover is a good trade, especially if you're going to use the extra money to, to move a rookie elsewhere to, to someone with a bit more scoring power. But I don't think you gain what you think you gain from trading Briggs to English. How I much think cover getting... is that, though, that you're saying? Is that like the D7 or the D8? Because if it's D7, that might be a bit of a risk, thinking that Marlon's yeah. going to play the whole year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to tell... Um, Without seeing the team, uh, hang on, I'll cut this out because I actually think he sent me a screenshot. I think if no, it's, it it it's D eight, yeah, just leave it in. We'll do it live. We'll do it I think live. If, I think if it's D eight, then it's fine. Um, it, if it's D seven, it, it, it would be D eight because he's got Sicily to welcome back. Ah, oh, love it. And oh, and he's do got it. Lewis Mel- and he's got Lewis Melikin at D, at, no. D, at, at oh, D seven. Why are we even talking about? Yeah. Get, 
Ginger out, bring in yeah. Mullen, and then you can spend that money on whatever you want to do. Yeah. Buy me a car. You know what? Actually, Chris, <laughs> just looking at your team, you probably have enough money to turn someone like Joss Sin or... Um, yeah, someone like Josh Sin into Callum Mills. And great cover. God damn it, Chris. Why couldn't Who's you his other ruck ben? Uh, He's got Rowan Marshall and Kieran Briggs. I trade Rowan Marshall in English. YOLO. Let's, let's not confuse the poor lad. <laughs> if Chris is not ranked in the top hunt, I don't know why is Chris writing in questions. His team is clearly better than all of ours. Yeah, he's, Chris has done something really good. And it's, Do you understand the concept he's of stuck this to podcast? His plan, yeah. What the hell are you doing? Don't talk to us. We should yeah. be getting him on. There's 150,000 people who play Supercoach and I only want questions of the people who are ranked below me. <laughs> I want to feel important. Yeah. Let's move on to the next question before um, Chris doesn't listen to the podcast ever again. Um, full Thanks, primo with three trades left. Dev Robertson and Matt Johnson are my mid cover. This is from Nick on Twitter. Would you burn two trades to get Mills at M9? No, I would no, not. Do not. That's I one. did it and I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> Or I would. I don't know. I, it's been fine. For no, me. I, I think I think Dev Robertson and Matt Johnson are fine cover. Yeah. The problem with Dev Robertson is that it it's very Brisbane-y. Like he could just disappear at any moment. Don't bring back <laughs> Brisbane. You don't no, need but it. it's so so the thing is but it's real it's genuinely that Dev Robertson, he should be getting more games than I think he is getting, personally. Because I think he's got some talent that Brisbane. Who has really the whiteboard use. now? But Jasper Fletcher is kind of sitting in one of the roles that he could play. They've got Harry Sharp somewhere tucked away. They've got these these young kids who are kind of shuffling in and out of the team. So Dev Robertson is probably one, you know, one coin flip away from Chris Fagan's bad side to not being mm. in the team. So That's he's fair. probably he's probably the only one that I'm a bit like, uh, but even then, Matt Johnson, like, I think you're fine anyway as like a as an M nine. Mm. Damo, do you see Matt Johnson playing the rest of the year? In a decent yeah. role? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Midfield though? Or is it going to be sort of that? It's going to be a mix between midfield and wing. I don't hate that. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if Hayden Young gets midfield time. They um, flagged it a couple of weeks ago that Hayden Young would eventually move into the midfield to allow the likes of Carl Warner to debut, um, Corey Wagner and Heath Chapman to get back into the team. So it wouldn't surprise me if Fife out means Hayden Young moves up the ground. Midfield right um, Hayden Young. Um, but I don't know if that will be this week or if that will be further down the track and we just see a Will Brody or something return this week. But I it wouldn't surprise me if Hayden Young does move up the ground um, before the end of the year. Yeah, y'all got to do something. Who are our captains this week, boys? Josh Dunkley. <laughs> uh, I got Lockie Neal as a VC into Zach Merritt. I think that's fair. Um, I'd be looking at Lockie Neal as well, um, Dacos, and probably Tom Stewart as sort of my um, sort of options. I'd guess that I'll go Dacos into Neal though as my VC, and then C. I'm going uh, Bontempelli as my vice-captain and Lockie Neal as my captain, keeping it fairly simple. 
Easy. And for those that don't have any of those players, what up? What up? What are you doing? Whoever's playing West Coast, pick a midfielder. I like Golden. I like Tim Taranto to respond after his poor week last week. So I slap the vice captaincy on him. I think he will respond. Um, I like Connor Rosie against the Gold Coast at Adelaide Oval as well. Speaking of responses, um, I really like Rory Laird um, after a, a sub-100 game. So he scored 50 in round one, then 147 in round two. He scored 97 in round four, then 135 in round five. Um, he scored 98 in round nine, then 145 in round 10. And then he scored 84 last week. So he, he all, every time he's gone sub-100, he's gone a captaincy score like the next week, which is... Um, all you can ask, really. Um, and then he's playing Essendon this week at Marvel, um, which isn't like a confirmed massive score, but I don't hate that as a um, you know, a venue or a team for him to go big against. All right. That's all the questions for today. Thanks for joining us, Foz. You did very well on debut. Thanks for having me, boys. It's been a pleasure. Excellent. Rising Star nomination heading your way. And Clarky, thank you again for being here. It's always a pleasure. If you have a question you'd like answered on the next episode, all you have to do is tag your question with Jock Mailbag on social media, probably not Twitter. So you might just want to send us an email to uh, jockmailbag at gmail.com to make sure that we answer yours on the next episode. And uh, we'll talk next time.